Hey, good evening everyone. Welcome to our evening Dhamma. We call our practice Vipassana Bhavana or Vipassana Meditation. Our goal is to attain or obtain vipassana. Pasana means seeing vi. Vi implies that it's in a special way or a, a specific way. The word vipassana implies that well, first of all, that there are two ways of seeing. And second of all, that one of these ways is better than the other. Or, at the very least, is is more correct, more clear, more penetrative. At the very least, it, first of all, points out that there are two ways of seeing. So what are the two ways of seeing that it talks about? Well, vipassana means seeing, seeing the three characteristics, impermanence, suffering, non-self, anicca, dukkha, and anatta. So the other way of seeing is is the opposite. It's the way of seeing things or seeing generally, uh, seeing stability, nitya, permanency, uh, sukha, happiness or satisfaction, and atta, self. Our ordinary way of seeing things without vipassana is first of all to give too much reality or too much primacy to things we'd say concepts, but we're more familiar with them as things because we don't realize that they're just concepts people, places, things, possessions entities <clears throat> the way we look at reality is to give primacy, primacy Uh, meaning to give them the base, to make them the base, these impersonal, unshakable, unchanging things. And at the same time to delegitimize, to take away from 
the legitimacy, the truth, the reality of experience. Don't trust your senses, right? Why? Because the 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 uh, impression you get from them might be wrong. But really, all that says is, is don't trust your impressions. Don't trust your um, conclusions about the things you sense. And that's an important distinction, but we go further than that. We say, don't trust your senses. Let science tell you what reality is. And so science has wonderful ways of explaining to us what, what the entities are made up of. At first it was atoms, or I guess first it was molecules, but there was an idea of the atom. Eventually we, we, we understood the atoms, we got down that far. And the word atom means indivisible, so we thought that was those were the things. And then we found out that those weren't even the things, and there were things smaller than that. And now it sounds like we're even realizing that even those small things, doesn't. it's not about getting smaller. We don't really know what the heck they are in the first place. We know there's, well, we, we, we're quite convinced generally that there's something, that there are things. And more generally, more practically, things that we can see, people, places, and, and objects, possessions, and so on. And the mind, our experience, our experience is relegated to some kind of secondary, sort of as an epiphenomenon or something. It's, it's like a result or a byproduct of of things and so it's no wonder I mean that's a, that's a big part of why we have this false sense and it is false sense of stability of satisfaction of control and and not just control but of, of existence of, of there being things there being self me and mine and I right and you, and him and her, things. And that's, that's one way of looking at things, and it's a problem. Because it doesn't matter whether you trust or don't trust your senses. And the important thing is that no matter what atoms or subatomic particles or whatever, It has no bearing on your stress level, your stress, your happiness. No, it has no bearing on what's truly important to us, to the individual, outside of experience. And so, it's not about the truth of that, you know, that way of looking or that paradigm, that way of looking at things. It's about it not being meaningful, not being consequential, and relegating our experience to some kind of inferior position where we don't even worry about it, or we, we, we um, disregard it because we know how valuable our, our, our impressions of it can be. By doing that, we, we ignore 
what's prime what's prime what what's uh what's most basic so the other way of looking at reality is you could say it's flipping things around it's delegitimizing the realm of of things R reminding us that this box doesn't exist you don't exist what are you well you're made up of depends who you ask but you certainly don't exist you know to take the body for example does the body exist well no we know from science that it's made up of cells but but much more importantly delegitimizing the whole realm of things doesn't it's not about how big or how small or breaking it up into parts it's about reality being a different sort of thing and that different sort of thing is experiences so everything that that um, we know or we experience everything everything relating to us about all these things is experience without experience it's nothing it doesn't matter we might as well be talking about Santa Claus's workshop right? it, it only matters in regards to experience and so experience is always going on uh, and and it's always Primal, prime, prime, primary. That's the word I'm looking for. It's always primary. Our the things are all secondary. They all depend on our experience, and that's why there's subjectivity. Is because two people can look at the same thing and thing, and have very different ideas about it. One person says it's good, bad, beautiful, ugly. So the other way of looking at things puts experience first delegitimizes those things but it more importantly raises up experience to be primary experience comes first and it's not it's not an argument about which one's right and what's wrong it's a much more an argument of which one's better and when you ask the question of something being better it's always in regards to well, better for whom or better for what better in relation to what so because obviously for us the most important thing is us you ask which one is better for us and so of course it's us it's the one that relates to our experience depression, anxiety uh, addiction all the problems in life the problems in life are not about external entities the problems in life are about experience and so our whole way of looking at things changes what's what vipassana means it means to change what we put as primary things people places and so on yes we acknowledge them and it's quite practical to acknowledge their reality but it's far less practical when compared it's far less practical than uh, experience the understanding of experience because experience is not stable this this 
question the question about the three characteristics it's it's quite puzzling because we're thinking in terms of things right we're saying so what does it mean to say something is unstable that's not what it means it means experiences and so it's actually quite obvious is an experience stable or unstable well no it arises and it ceases quite quickly it's quite obvious it's not something mystical or magical what vipassana means, it means shifting from this one way of looking things to another. And what that does is it changes the way you look at reality. Reality is no longer something that is fixed. As a result, it's no longer full of anything that can satisfy because the things are now experiences which arise and cease. We stop being addicted because we stop seeing things that, that might satisfy we stop seeing in terms of certain in terms of things which would have the potential in our minds to satisfy us if that was if it weren't for this pesky need to experience them right because experience is required for enjoying all those things and experience therefore being primary and experience being unstable they can't satisfy us. They aren't what, what we experience. We experience experience. We experience seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking. They're not under our control. They don't belong to us. Experiences don't have that quality. It's not something hard to understand. All these questions about self and non-self. Does the self exist? It's totally off-base questions. They're questions that are based on thinking about this old way of looking at things. Non-self, it simply means experiences aren't don't belong to you, they aren't you, they aren't a you, they aren't a thing, an entity. They're an experience, arises and ceases. So it's not about somehow realizing that the things you thought were permanent are, are impermanent. I mean, that's one way of, in a very... Um, introductory way of explaining it But it's much deeper than that Or it's, it's different than that These three th characteristics shouldn't be hard to understand What it means is you're going to change the way you look at reality From, from things, things that are stable, satisfying and controllable to, Which are people and places and things to, to seeing in terms of experiences which are impermanent, unsatisfying, and uncontrollable. I mean, it sounds like a bum, ra a bad deal, right? It's like, wait a minute. Why would I want to do that? Wouldn't, shouldn't I stick to this way of looking at things that sees things? But it's the that's the problem, right? Is that those things are dependent on experience. It's good for society if you do that it means we can build nuclear reactors and sp space stations and computers and now they're getting into quantum computers and so on it doesn't have any bearing on our happiness or our unhappiness because in terms of what's good for us our experience is primary and when you put experience as primary you fall into the trouble of 
the fact that experience doesn't lend itself to clinging. It's kind of a trouble. But because it's primary, it doesn't matter whether you do or you don't. It is that way either way. If you live in the world of concepts, things, people, places and things, you're going to get burnt because you're depending on this reality that you're ignoring of impermanent suffering and non-self. If instead you see things through the lens of, of experience, you have no disappointment, you have no upset, you're able, it's, it's like really living with life, keeping up with life, instead of fighting it, instead of living in fear of it. What's going to come next? Well, I know it's going to come next, more experience. You suddenly, it's suddenly this this cliche phrase of the whole world is suddenly your oyster. It's like suddenly you fit with with the world again, with with reality. You become natural. You become in tune with reality. It's a very apt way of putting it. I think in tune with reality. There's no dissonance. And there's no worry about the future or f sadness about the past which is all caught up in concepts, things, and, you know, me, mine. Experience is always only present, here and now, born and dies. So our practice of mindfulness, when we practice the four foundations of mindfulness, it's meant to help us see this, to help us look at things, look at reality from a point of view of experience. Physical experience when you walk, stepping right, there's an experience there, or there's many experiences, but simply put, there's its experience of walking with the right foot, and then the left foot is another experience. When you sit and you say rising, falling, this is the physical experiences. When you feel pain and you focus on the pain and say pain, you start to see it as experiences, many moments of experience thinking about the past or future, you start to see them not as my past, my future. You see them as experiences of thinking. Thinking about the past, thinking about the future, it's just an experience of thinking. Emotions when you like something, dislike something, or other mind states like drowsiness or distraction or worry or anxiety or doubt. Instead of being tortured by these things or ruled by them and have to go take drugs and medication, it's really kind of a silly thing to take. I mean, I understand that when it's very extreme and people are not able to be mindful, they take medication for it. But, um, it, I mean, it's sad that it comes to that because they're just emotions. And when you, if you can and eventually can, see them just as experiences, it doesn't matter how intense or overwhelming they are. They just are. They're experiences. Of course, it's, it's, I don't mean to trivialize mental illness, but it's, uh, it, it is trivial. It's just that we are so, we are so accustomed to reacting. We're accustomed to 
thinking of emotions as my emotions, as me experiencing the emotions, and even as the emotions as being a thing, like people say, I have depression, I am depressed, I am clinically depressed, but depression is an emotion that comes comes for a moment and then it's gone and then it comes again. It's only when we cling to it and when we see it as a thing, as an entity, that we suffer. Same with anxiety and so on. And the senses, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, feeling, thinking, how they can torture us, which is kind of silly because seeing is really just seeing. How is it that when you see a spider you freak out or you see something ugly you get nauseous or so on? It's just seeing. We're conditioned. We condition ourselves and we're encouraged by others to, by external things to become conditioned. Buddhism is about becoming unconditioned. Objective. Seeing. Becoming in tune with reality. So, those are the two ways of seeing a little bit about that concept and more importantly about insight meditation and mindfulness which are insight and mindfulness these are the two most important concepts in our practice we're practicing mindfulness to gain vipassana which means insight or clear sight or seeing things in a special way so that's the Dhamma for tonight. Thank you all for coming out. <laughs>